Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a new episode of the Cortellinius podcast. I'm your host, Zach Lowy, and I'm super excited today for today's episode because we've got a very special guest uh, coming in from the Azores in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. On Cortellinius, we've had, you know, we've had Benfica fans on. We've had Porto fans on. We've had sporting fans on. We haven't had a Santa Clara fan, though. And we do, finally, with Joao Pedro Feira. Uh, Joao, how are you doing today? I'm fine, thanks. At first, I would like to, to thank you for inviting me. Uh, it is a, a great honor to be, to be taking part in this podcast. It is widely known among Twitter, uh, the Portuguese Twitter community. So it is a pleasure, a great pleasure for me to be the first Santa Clara fan featuring. Absolutely. It's, it's a real pleasure. Such an interesting story, Santa Clara, which we'll be talking a lot about. Just first, before we begin, where, where can people find you on, on Twitter? At the page Foot Ferreira. Foot Ferreira. Great. So yeah, fantastic account. Fantastic Santa Clara fan. Really excited to have you on today. Um, it is currently international break. Portugal uh, narrowly came back and won a beating Ireland in a World Cup qualifier thanks to a late brace from Cristiano Ronaldo and also you know getting a, a 3-1 victory uh, in a friendly over Qatar. They're taking on Azerbaijan tomorrow. Uh, so we'll see what happens to that. but yeah going back to going back to last weekend in terms of the Primera action of match day four. So we saw it kicked off with, with a game between uh, Belenenc Sad and Murinenc. Uh, Belenenc Sad taking the lead early on via Chima Akas, going down to 10 men, and Murinenc eventually equalizing in the 86-minute vehicle from Andre Luis. And Friday's action was followed up by a game between Storiel Praia and Marichimo. Storiel uh, taking the lead early on via Miguel Crespo, who was arguably the standout performer of their promotion last season, and is now on his way to Fenerbahce. Marichimo equalizing uh, right before halftime, but Storiel getting the win uh, thanks to a goal from Chiquinho. Uh, moving on to Saturday's action, we saw a draw between uh, Vizela and Boavista. Uh, Boavista looking to continue their promising run of form via and getting getting the lead early on via Gustavo Sauer, who scored in the 51st minute. Uh, Vizela equalizing via goal from Ivorian defender Kofi Kowau. Um, Porto as well getting uh, getting bouncing back from their draw against Marichimo with a three nothing victory um, against newly promoted Aruca. Uh, Sporting dropping their first points of, of, of the season um, against Famalicão, who have certainly been their bogey team. Famalicão taking the lead via goal, via an own goal actually from Nuno Mendes, and Sporting eventually equalizing via João Paulinha. Moving on uh, to Sunday's action, uh, Benfica leading it late, but eventually uh, turning around an early deficit and defeating Tondela 2-1 via goals from Rafa Silva and Gilberto in the Derby Dominio, Braga and Vitoria de Guimarães uh, grinding out a stalemate. Uh, Santa Clara, our, our guest's favorite team, Santa Clara defeating uh, Gil Vicente via a goal from an early goal from Rui Costa. And finally, yes. Passos Chifajira beating Portimonense via a goal from Douglas Tanki, their attacking talisman. Portimonense, though, missing out on their 
um, their striker, Beto, who has now joined Udinese for a fee rising to 10 million euros. Pretty good deal for Portimonense, I would say. It is a bit of a blow for them, though. And uh, you, you do worry how they'll be able to how they'll be able to replace him. What what do you make of this move for Beto going to Udinese? What do you make of Portimonense's chances now without Beto? And you know, in general, what are your expectations for them this season? In general, uh, I think uh, they have a stronger roster, even though they uh, they have just lost uh, Beto. But uh, they have a pretty good squad. I've been uh, following them since uh, two years, and uh, because they, they have a lot of, of Brazilians and uh, uh, youngsters with much quality, such as uh, Lucena. He's a Brazilian offensive midfielder. This would be his breakthrough season. He's an extremely good uh, creative midfielder, you know. I think he's 20 years old and uh, he's been earning uh, his space at Paulo Sergio's club. Defensively, they have, uh, they have good players. And uh, one thing that I would like to point out is the, the depth, the, the squad's depth, because it is important in comparison to two other teams uh, of our league, despite, in my opinion, the, the average level uh, of the whole league increased this season. Uh, for example, with teams like uh, Maritimo, they have a, a pretty good squad too. But uh, focusing on, on Portimonense, I think... Uh, they will be able to do well without battle. Of course, it would be a bit difficult because he was his main uh, offensive trap. But they keep uh, having uh, Ailton Bomort, who is uh, an extremely dangerous player on the final third. And uh, and like I said, other players uh, such as uh, Lukenia, uh, I think uh, Lukas, Lukas Fernandes is fit now. And uh, definitely, uh, they will do uh, a great, a great season for sure. Absolutely, big loss for them with Beto, but I, I do think they have some interesting pieces in their squad that should help them stay up. But yeah, Portugal losing quite a few stars in the final weeks of the window. None bigger, shall I say, uh, than than Nuno Mendes joining Paris Saint Germain on loan for a loan fee of seven million euros. PSG with an option to buy of 40 million euros and Pablo Sarabia heading the other way on loan to Sporting. So PSG going to cover the entirety of Sarabia's wages and there is no purchase option for Sarabia um, from Sporting's point of view. Just getting into this before, before we talk about you know the impact that Nuno can have on Sporting or PSG, talk to me, wh- what do you make of this deal from Sporting's point of view, because you know throughout this window, it, it almost seemed like w- w- when are Sporting going to blink? You know, are go- are they going to be able to go through this entire window uh, without selling a single star? You know, they've really only sold fringe players for for small fees, such as Joseph Misic and Luis Maximiano. Plenty of players who were linked with big moves, such as Joao Palinha and Nuno Mendes and Pedro Gonçalves. But everybody was wondering what was going to happen because Sporting, uh, obviously adding to their squad the likes of Ricardo Oscaio, uh, Ruben Vinagre, and Manuel Ugarch. And so a lot of a lot of people just curious to see, will they end up 
biting the bullet and, and selling a key player. And eventually they did loaning out Nuno uh, with an option to buy an option to buy that plenty of journalists have said is more like an obligation, but they can't really say it's an option to buy to, to avoid FFP. I'm not really sure why PSG even cares about FFP, given the fact that if there's anything this summer has taught us is that FFP is absolutely useless and should be, in my opinion, should be scrapped entirely, considering the fact that, you know, <laughs> well, whatever, we'll, we'll, we can talk about that later. But, but yeah, what do you make of this deal from, from Sporting's point of view? It, it was a, a very good deal for Sporting. Uh, because uh, from uh, those names uh, you've just mentioned, such as uh, Palhinha and uh, Pedro Gonçalves, uh, Nuno Mendes is the, the piece that would be easier to be replaced and uh, whose leaving uh, will not have uh, much impact on the team's uh, performance. They have made uh, a pretty good deal buying uh, Vinagre to, to jump to the first team. Uh, Nuno Mendes, it, it was... Uh, it was the 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 best deal uh, they they could make because it allowed Sporting to to make a great amount of money and without losing a player like I said that uh, uh, whose absence would not have much impact like for example uh, Palhinha uh, would have, uh, it is uh, uh, Sporting like uh, likewise the the other Portuguese teams need to make some cash after uh, this uh, pandemic uh, period. I would say they can deny uh, that uh, that offer because, like you said, it is a low one. But uh, PSG will definitely uh, activate it, that uh, buy-on clause and uh, it will allow Sporting to make uh, over than 50 million euros. Uh, it is a, a deal you can't... Uh, uh, a Portuguese team can't, can't avoid uh, to make. Yeah, the way, the way I see it, I mean, I think that Ruben Vinagre... When Ruben Vinagre joined after his fantastic loan spell at Famalicão, you know, becoming, you know, one, another Famalicão or ex-Famalicão player to join Sporting after like um, after, after Pedro Gonçalves and, and followed up, of course, by Manuel Garte. The way I saw it is, you know, okay, you've got, you've got Vinagre coming in on loan with an option to buy for 10 million euros. And for me, that, that just indicated that, okay, if Sporting don't sell Nuno Mendes, they'll sell him next summer. Because a guy like a guy like Ruben Vinagre, he might tolerate you know being second choice for a season, but but he's he's too good to be just a constant bench warmer. I mean, this is a player who you know had had so and so time at Wolves, but we just saw just just how good he can be at Famalicão. I don't think he's quite at Nuno Mendes's level, but still a very good player. A player who I think Benfica they may end up kicking themselves for not, not getting him. I know they were linked to him. Yeah, I think that Ruben Vinagre is a good uh, replacement for Nuno Mendes. I think that was always going to be the plan, you know, selling Nuno for a massive profit and, and exercising uh, the option to buy with, with Vinagre. I think that Nuno Santos, who was starting the opposite flank of Pedro Gonçalves uh, last season, I think that Nuno will almost be used more as a wingback, kind of like competition for Vinagre at the left wing back position. Of course, you also have Mateus Rice um, there, to, but I would argue he's a step down from those. Um, so yeah, I think that you've got 
you know, I think Ruben Vinagre and Nuno Santos competing at the left wing back position. Then, you know, going forward, I think that you could see uh, Pedro Gonçalves and potentially Paulinho starting, um, as well as Pablo Sarabia, maybe Jovan Cabral. I'm curious, though, what, from the Sarabia side of this, how do you think he fits in? Because I know that Paulinho, he still hasn't quite hit the ground running. You know, he's had some good games here and there since joining Sporting in January. But I do feel like he just, he, he still, there are still some moments where, you know, you want more of an in-the-box presence. Uh, how do you think Sarabia changes this attack? Do you think he starts? And if so, who do you think he starts in the place of? Uh, I think uh, he will be used as a, as a replacement for uh, Pedro Gonçalves, mainly. I've seen some, some insights about his arrival and uh, some, some experts are now considering if Saravia uh, would be uh, an alternative for uh, Pauling, uh, depending on, on the game uh, and on the, the sporting uh, opponents. But uh, as I'm concerned about, about Saravia, I think he will be uh, used as, as Pedro Gonçalves' uh, replacement. Uh, or uh, Pedro Gonçalves can be used in in, in a different uh, in a different role. Uh, if Ruben Amorim prefer to to have uh, them both uh, at the on the starting eleven, I think uh, his arrival at at Sporting would be a huge uh, upgrade to to the team. We are we are talking about a, a Spanish uh, international who, who has just uh, signed the. Uh, a brilliant performance against uh, Georgia, and uh, uh, he will def- definitely add, uh, add quality uh, to Ruben, Ruben Amorim, uh side. Yeah, apart from apart from uh, Nuno Santos, who I like, I said I think he'll be used more as a wing back. Sporting have a lot of options in attack. They've got Paulinho, Thiago Tomas, Pedro Gonçalves, Pablo Sarabia, Bruno Tabata, and Jovan Cabral. It'll be interesting to see how Ruben Amorim uh, fits those players in the same team. But I do think, though, you know, it is it is a sh- it is a bit of a shame to see Nuno leave Nuno Mendes leave after just one season, one full season in Portugal. You know, for me, the biggest talent that we've seen in Portugal since João Felix. Uh, I, I just really enjoyed watching him last season. Really can't understate his importance in Sporting's title. I'm curious though, with Nuno Mendes gone, who do you think is the biggest, is, is the best young talent in Portugal? A lot of names, you know, Pedro Porro, uh, Fabio Vieira, you know, plenty of players who, who could take that mantle. I'm curious though, who is your, who would be your pick for the best young talent in Portugal right now, now that Mendes is gone? I would say uh, João Mario uh, from Porto. He has been progressing uh, so well since he he was uh, deployed as a wing back. But uh, in my opinion, uh, it is a, it is a, a personal opinion. The the young player I, I like the most is uh, is a sporting player actually, uh, Mateus Nunes. For me, is uh, I would say he's the the youngster with uh, a very high ceiling. He's already a, a complete, uh, complete midfielder. Uh, he's strong. He carries the ball very well, and 
you you don't uh, you don't see uh, much often uh, those characteristics in uh, in a Portuguese uh, in a Portuguese midfield, and uh, I think he will have a, a great impact this season uh, in Sporting. In my opinion, he's is one of the the, the brightest talents talents staging uh, in Portugal. Apart from just liquidity, you know, one of the things that one of the things that this Nuno Mendes sale will give uh, Sporting is is the ability to you know renew these players, renew their contracts with improved salaries. And we're going to see that I think with with the likes of uh, Gonzalo Inácio, Jovan Cabral, João Paulinha, and as well, of course, Mateus Nunes. Uh, been really important so far for them, and yeah, I think that he is definitely one player to 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 keep an eye on. It's potentially the next to get a big move, um, and yeah, definitely definitely agree. So, way the way this table currently looks, we've got Porto, Sporting, and Storil, newly promoted Storil, uh, currently level at, in in second slash fourth place. Uh, with with 10 points. Benfica, one of the only teams in Europe's top six leagues who uh, have won every single league match so far. So combined with, you know, getting past PSV Eindhoven uh, while playing with 10 men and, and you know, winning every single game so far, been a pretty nice start for George Jesus' side. Um, looking at the bottom of the table, though, we've got, we've got Famalico and Bilinich side uh, rooted at the bottom with with one point uh, from their first four matches, uh, whilst Muririnch Muririnch currently sixteenth with two points uh, from their first four matches. You know, going on about Muririnch though, because they're a team that has, I would say, solidified. Um, you know, one of the teams that will will finish. You know, between sixth or eighth in in the league table in recent years. You know, they've been pretty reliable in that. I believe they finished what seventh last season, right, right behind um, Santa Clara. You know, become used to seeing them in the top half of the table. Starting their campaign with a two-one loss uh, to Benfica, then drawing two-two um, against Santa Clara in what you know, in my opinion, has been the craziest game of the league season so far. That absolutely insane draw yeah. to Santa Clara. I'm sure you were going insane. And then, of course, losing another crazy game to Braga, Ricardo Horta coming off the bench uh, and scoring a 95th minute uh, winner after Morinch, uh drew even after two late two late goals, and then drawing one to one against Belinich Sad. So I want to focus on Morinch here though, because right after the the Belinich Sad uh, Morinch game, the president of Belinich Sad, Rui Pedro Suarez, stated that Morinch will be relegated at the end of the season. And this came right after the the one one draw in Leira. He said, "We all know that Murinch has been have been found guilty of corruption and will be relegated administratively at the end of the season. The federation has already executed the court's decision. So, pretty big bombshell if it is true. Um, and this is stemming from." Uh, back a case back in the 2011-12 season when Murinch were in the second division and, and were bribing uh, players from Santa Clara and Naval 
in basically, you know, helping them get a foot up in, in their promotion fight. They were fined a total of 112,500 euros for four crimes of corruption. If this declaration is correct, then they would essentially be a dead man walking, right? They could finish first and still get relegated. Talk to me, though, about what, what, what you make of this case, of this allegation. In general, what, what do we need to know about this, about just another corruption case in, in Portugal? <laughs> Well, at first, uh, I didn't, uh, I didn't get the the, the point of uh, of his uh, of Rui Pedro Soares' uh, statement. He has lost uh, a great opportunity to to not sh- uh, show up, and uh, uh, I I don't know much uh, about this case. Apparently, it uh, it brings the the name of of Santa Clara. <laughs> Uh, of former Santa Clara players, if this this case has a, a solid uh, foundation, Morales is is playing this this season without any goal to 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 accomplish because they know they will be uh, relegated. Honestly, uh, I don't know if, if it's if it's true or, or not, but uh, it is uh, a shameful uh, situation to our uh, national league. Of course, we are used to, to those kind of, of scandals, but it's always a, a shameful situation. Talking about Santa Clara for a second, though, because... Obviously, they are your team. They're currently sitting 12th. It's been an interesting start to the season for them. First beating Farench on penalties in the Tasa de Liga second round. Uh, then losing 3 nothing to Tondela. Obviously, the, the insane 2-2 draw to, against Morirench. Uh, then losing 0-2 to Boavista. And then, of course, beating uh, Gil Vicente. Both teams picking up red cards. First game after international break, we'll see Santa Clara take on Benfica. I would almost consider it like a derby that's not a derby, considering the fact that you know Santa Clara's crest is is basically a knockoff. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I know that Santa Clara were you know they said that they were uh, considering replacing the the crest with another. Right. What is, right. What is the deal with that? Has that gone through or? No, uh, actually, don't. It was noticed that uh, some some people, uh, even uh, inside uh, Santa Clara, uh, wanted to to change the the team's crest uh, because they they felt it was it was a link to to Benfica. But personally, uh, it does not uh, offend me to to, to use. Uh, to use that, that crest. It is part of uh, Santa Clara's history. We have been using uh, that crest since, uh, I would say, 1930s. So it, that change, personally, for me, does, uh, does not make sense. Some years ago, when the, uh, when the team was still uh, in the Segunda Liga, we have used um, a different crest for about two two seasons, but uh, since our no former president uh, Ricardo took charge, uh, they've changed it to the current crest that uh, has garnered some some critics. 
our next match uh, will be against Benfica. It is interesting because uh, in the Azores and uh, in São Miguel there are a large community of of Benfica supporters. Almost uh, a no uh, match <laughs> for for Benfica because there are many people at the stands that uh, uh, who are actually uh, supporting Benfica and uh, even they go. Uh, watch the the matches wearing a, a Benfica jersey. Uh, also, many Santa Clara supporters are Benfica supporters too, so it is it is always a, a difficult uh, situation for for many of the of the Azorians because uh, they literally they are with uh, with his heart uh, kind of divided. And yeah, talking about Santa Clara, one of the best, I would say, theater clubs in Portugal. They definitely have a history of, you know, selling players, buying low and selling high, you know, exporting players to bigger Portuguese teams or foreign clubs. Seen that likes of uh, Fernando Andrade, Caio Pantaleao, Thiago Santana, Zaidu Sanusi, recently Fabio Cardoso uh, joining up with Zaidu at Porto. But... I don't. I don't think I'm exaggerating if I say that the the hardest departure for them to take was Carlos Junior joining Al Shabab, uh, Saudi club Al Shabab, um, and you know, of course, the club's all-time leading goal scorer, one player who definitely was looked primed for a move and really stepped up as as the club's talisman over the past few years. Uh, just how how big of a loss is this for Santa Clara? Carlos Jr.'s absence uh, is going to be felt uh, because he has uh, an unmatched killer in- instinct uh, in front of the goal. And uh, actually, uh, there are no a player in our squad that uh, has those, those characteristics. Also, uh, he was a, a valuable player for us. Uh, he contributed a lot uh, while not having the the ball, he's a, an extremely aggressive player. When when Santa Clara uh, uh, does not have the the ball, he goes back uh, on the pitch to press the the, the opponents. It's a, it's a huge uh, a huge loss uh, for the club. And yeah, talking about um, you know talking about the players it's that we cutting uh, it's cutting a bit. Sorry, can you hear me now? Yes, yes, yes. No. Talking about the players no, that we've seen, sorry. we've seen the players. You know, a lot of players getting big moves from Santa Clara. Carlos Junior, the latest one going to Al Shabab, um, looked like Hidemasa Morita. Hidemasa Morita was going to be the next one uh, with Fenerbahce linked. Fenerbahce linked, but seemed that Santa Clara's asking price was just a bit too high, and they eventually settled with Storiel's. Miguel Crespo. So Hidemas Morita, interestingly enough, right, the, the January transfer window saw, saw Santa Clara sell their talisman Teo Santana, Santana to a Japanese club, Shinizu S. Pulse, as well as yes. buying a Japanese midfielder from the club Kawasaki Frontale, um, picking him up. And overall, I would say he's been one of the biggest revelations 
in Portugal since joining in January. Looked like Morita, you know, was was set to join Cardoso and Carlos Jr. out the X-Door, but he is staying in the Azores for another season. We'll see how long he ends up staying. Uh, though, talk to me about how important is Morita just how good is he? What kind of midfielder do you do you make him out to be? We are talking about uh, an utterly complete uh, midfielder who excels at both the the offensive uh, and defensive phases. Morita is one of the best midfielders of, of our championship, uh, and and I'm not saying that uh, as a, as a Santa Clara supporter, but the overall opinion of of Portuguese football pundits is that uh, Morita is at a, a level above of uh, Santa Clara, with all due respect to, to the club. Um, Morita is is an incredible midfielder. Uh, he has an overdeveloped vision. His uh, long-range pa- uh, passing is very accurate. Thus, uh, he's an aggressive, uh, an aggressive player. And uh, he contributes uh, a lot by giving passing lines. His reading of the game is is extremely good. He's uh, Santa Clara's art on the pitch, art and brain. Recently, uh, our manager, uh, Daniel Ramos, considered uh, uh, an interview for a local newspaper saying that if Morita uh, had left, this summer, he will uh, uh, reconsider uh, his future at the club. Uh, Daniel Ramos has, uh, has just said that on a local uh, newspaper. From here, you can uh, you can perceive how important uh, Morita is for our team. Because, uh, for example, when, when Morita... Um, when Morita does not uh, play uh, very well, which happened not not so so often, our team more liked that uh, underperform. I think if he was the best buy. Another player who uh, we've talked a lot about on the show, who I think could potentially be the next one to get a big move out of Santa Clara is Lincoln. Really promising young uh, Brazilian attacking midfielder. He is. 22 years old, uh, going to turn 23 in just uh, two months. But yeah, really, really promising young player who uh, came through Gremio's Academy, had a few loan spells at Caicor, Rizespor, and America Minero. But now, uh, you know, been at Santa Clara since 2019 and definitely one of the most entertaining players to watch in, in Portugal. Talk to me a little bit about Lincoln. Where where do you put his ceiling at? Um, and you know, talk to me a little bit about his role in the Santa Clara team. First of all, Lincoln is our most creative player. He's one of the, the most technically gifted players uh, in our uh, championship. Extremely calm on the ball has a great uh, long-range passing, is a good dribbler also, but uh, his main uh, contribute to, to our team is through his uh, vision and, and, reading, and reading of the game. He's a clever, uh, clever midfielder and uh, his left foot is incredible. Kicks the ball in, in set pieces uh, precisely so with the power and, and direction uh, that that are needed. Thanks to that, he has been collecting um, many assists 
since he came to the Primeira Liga to, to Santa Clara. After the, the departure of, of Carlos Jimmy, we have a, a deficit of individual references uh, on the final third. And so I think uh, Lincoln, uh, if he does have the, the good fortune of not having injuries and being physically fit, is going to step up uh, this season. Because quality, uh, he has. And uh, this is uh, the, the most important. One of his main uh, setbacks, uh, I, I will say it that way, is that he's a bit in, uh, inconsistent. He's uh, an inconsistent player. And uh, in some games, he, he seems to, to be uh, disconnected from the match. And uh, obviously, uh, our team gets prejudiced because uh, if he's a, he's a player that, uh, who, who contributes a lot also uh, while not having the ball because uh, he tends to be aggressive and uh, like Morita, he has a great reading of the game. Uh, actually, the, them two combine really well together. I remember of, uh, of uh, Morita's interview uh, last year when uh, he was questioned uh, about uh, which player he liked uh, to play the most. He chose uh, Lincoln. <laughs> because he added the fight uh, with his game playing style. And uh, of course, our, our team uh, benefits from uh, the, these links uh, between them. I, I really think that uh, Lincoln uh, will, will do a, a great season. Bear in mind, if I'm not mistaken, he has, he has collected uh, three assists so far. He's... Uh, uh, like I said, he's one of the of the best uh, set pieces uh, taker of all uh, of the whole Premier League. Idemasa Morita, Lincoln, plenty of players, Mikel Villanueva, plenty of players who you know who are going to make Santa Clara a fun watch this season. Even with Fabio Cardoso gone, even with Carlos Junior gone, I, I think we can definitely expect to see them finish probably top top half. Mid table, shall we say? Liga Liga B win kicks back into action on Saturday morning uh, when Pastos Feira host Braga, followed by uh, Benfica's trip to the Azores to take on Santa Clara, followed by uh, really the crown jewel of next weekend, which is Sporting against Porto. Sporting hosting Porto um, at the Estadio Jose Alvalade, without a doubt. Uh, the biggest game of the season, of the league season so far. Talk to me about your expectations for this game. Uh, a derby is, is always uh, an un, uh, unpredictable uh, match. Regarding this, uh, the, this derby, uh, I think uh, we're going to see a uh, well-distributed uh, match with uh, many attractives. And uh, and interesting players to to watch to different things regarding their way uh, of playing, but uh, yeah, it will be a, a great match. Uh, like I said, I I honestly <laughs> I don't know what what to to expect uh, because we are we are in a 
the debut of uh, of Primera Liga. Moving on, moving on to Porto, just because we've talked about Sporting, I want to talk about Porto for a second, though, because um, you know Porto, I think, are in a they, they've obviously had their fair share of run-ins with financial fair play. Um, and it really hasn't been, it really wasn't a great summer for them in terms of, in terms of, shall we say, financial health. Um, Porto failing to make a single a sale. Um, they did loan out Diogo Leite to Braga with a 12 million uh, euro option to buy. But in general, you know, failing to, to sell Tecatito Corona, something that I think will will could could end up hurting them. Tegatito uh, is entering the final. He is contract set to expire in 2022, demanding, I believe, to be the the highest paid player on Porto um, with a, a a gross salary of six million euros uh, to to tie him with Otavio as the club's highest paid player. It seems though that you know Tegatito, I believe, 28, 29. Um, doesn't seem like Porto want to renew his contract as they, they believe the window to, to make a, to, to, to sell him for a big profit has passed. Um, and it seemed like there was, there was that chance, you know, to, to to sell him with like Subsidia and Milan interested, but deal fell through. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see what happens. What do you make of Porto's financial situation though? Do you think they could be in trouble? Um, with FFP, uh, we saw some saw some rumors just a few days ago that uh, that that you know there that that Porto would struggle to pay salaries. Um, I'm not sure about that. I, I'm I'm not sure if they're going to end up uh, delaying salary payments, as like some TVI 24 have said. But I do think it could be they could find themselves in a bit of a predicament financially. Um, and I think that the failure to sell Tecatito, uh, which is obviously easier said than done, that's uh, definitely part of it. Uh, yeah, of course, uh, absolutely. Because, uh, like, uh, like I said uh, last year, uh, with the pandemics, uh, there, uh, there were. Uh, uh, profits, uh, profits, uh, losses, and uh, and all all the the Portuguese teams uh, needed to to sell players. Uh, even more the 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 big three uh, because they have uh, they have. Uh, biggest uh, uh, bigger uh, bigger debts and uh, uh, they need to uh, to to fulfill that uh, uh, their financial uh, obligations also uh, Porto uh, s- some years ago uh, was uh, was under uh, UEFA uh, financial fair play, and uh, of course uh, their financial uh, situation uh, probably is is still not not the best. Uh, I think uh, I think they 
they expected to to make some profits uh, through uh, through some some players uh, sales uh, such as uh, corona uh, recently the the their players left the left the team uh, as as uh, as free agents and so uh portos uh, uh has been uh, usually criticized uh, by his, by his fans uh because of that uh, because they they hadn't been able to to make profits with uh, some of their best uh assets uh i uh, I know that uh, they were uh, they were intending to flow on uh, Zaidu uh, to to Fenerbahce uh, to to earn, but uh, I think the the move uh, fell through uh, because uh, of uh, Porto's demands uh, for a for a loan fee. Uh, Fenerbahce uh, proposed to to pay uh, all the salaries, uh, all of the Zaidu's uh, salaries, but uh, Portos uh, Porto kept demanding uh, a fee for for the deal to be to be sealed. Uh, so uh, I think they. Overall, they were expecting to 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 sell players uh, and make profits and make profit with that uh, with that uh, with uh, with that uh, with that transactions. And we've seen Sporting, you know, getting some liquidity with the Nuno Mendes deal on the final day of the transfer window. You know, uh, Benfica obviously selling the likes of uh, Luca Waldschmidt, Pedrinho, Nuno Tavares. Um, Braga as well, you know, selling Fran Sergio to Bordeaux while springing in a lot of quality players. Porto, on the other hand, they do have that that payment that that came from the deal with from last season, last summer's deals with Chidozi Awazim and Danilo Pereira, both of which were a loan plus an obligation to buy, I believe. Um, but you know, it lost lost Musa Marega on a free transfer and really just only loaned out only managed to loan out some players, didn't really get anything in the way of liquidity. Uh, I do think it's going to come back to bite them in one way or another. I'm not sure how, but uh, when you look at the players they brought in, you know, bringing in the likes of um, Pepe, Wendell, uh, Marco Grujic, Fabio Cardoso, and then, you know, failing to sell a single player, I, I think that that's something that as a Portuguese club, you've just got to try to avoid, you know. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. I would be remiss, though, to, to close out this podcast by not talking about, uh, of course, that probably the biggest biggest news in Portugal, which did not involve a Portuguese team, uh, which is Cristiano, Cristiano Ronaldo returning to the theater of dreams, leaving Juventus and, uh, and joining Manchester United. Talk to me about what you think of this move, uh, how do you think he fits in at United? Um, and overall, how how would you how 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 would you grade his time at Juventus? Uh, 
to be honest, I, I haven't been following uh, as much uh, of uh, of the Italian and uh, and English uh, top tiers, but uh, uh, I've read some some uh, some articles and uh, and opinions uh, articles uh, saying that. Uh, the, the Italian fans who were expecting uh, a bit uh, more uh, of uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, I, I'm not talking about uh, his, uh, his overall performances, but uh, the the impact they they had thought uh, eventually uh, Ronaldo would have. Uh, in uh, June, but uh, regarding uh, regarding his move to to Manchester, uh, I think uh, it has uh, it has so far uh, paid off uh, in terms of of marketing. Uh, I've just seen uh, that uh, Manchester United. Uh, as make as made a, a huge profit uh, by selling uh, sh- uh, Cristiano Ronaldo's uh, shirts, uh, uh, as he is uh, is a player that uh, uh, is used uh, is already used to to English f- uh, football and uh, uh, is uh, accustomed to. To Manchester, uh, I think uh, you you will have uh, a good performance, uh, and certainly uh, you will have uh, a positive impact uh, in uh, in re- in uh, Red Devils. Absolutely, really excited to see how Ronaldo does in his return to the Premier League. Um, finally, we're going to wrap up this podcast by going over our weekly talent of the week section. Uh, so I'm going to start off by going with my talent of the week, and that is going to be drum roll, Romario Barro. So Romario Barro, uh, you know, a player who, who, uh, who has come another very talented product of Porto's Olival Academy, uh, 21 years old, and had a had a quite a promising start uh, to the preseason under Sergio Conceição, grabbing a goal against Academico Giviseo, as well as a brace against Vitoria de Guimarães's B team. Um, you know, Baro coming through the ranks uh, at at Porto and and you know helping them win the UEFA Youth League in 2019. Um, and then eventually getting his his first team debut under Conceição in 2019-20. Um, and it actually looked like he was going to break through into the first team, uh, but his, his progression was halted by a pretty horrendous tackle from Fabio Cardoso, yes. who was Santa Clara defender. Now, of course... I remember that match. I remember that match, and I, I, I have to, to confess that uh, I was horrified 
by uh, by that tackle because uh, Romario Barro is is a player I, I like uh, I like absolutely yeah many. Cardoso uh, I like much Cardoso kind of ruining his 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 development uh, with a just a terrible tackle in a cup match. Yeah, Barra was one of the one of really one of Porto's biggest talents, but he's kind of struggled to bounce back uh, since that and and get playing time under Conceição. Um, and then, of course, just just less than two years later, Cardoso ends up joining Porto. Um, and so between between that between that between between the hard tackle on Barra between his you know pro Benfica tweets. Between the fact yes, that he it's, pushed it's out a very and, uh, talented center back in Diogo Late, I don't know. I, it, Porto fans may have a hard time accepting Cardoso as one of their own. Uh, yes, um, yes, <laughs> uh, absolutely. Because and and I think uh, that uh, that uh, history, uh, his uh, his uh, historical, uh, I would say. Uh, it does not uh, benefit him uh, w- whatsoever, and uh, you can see uh, you can see by by this uh, debut uh, of the season uh, on which he he has lacked uh, minutes uh, for Porto, and uh, uh, it it does uh, it does not appear even uh, at the bench. So, it's... absolutely, and and Porto. In fairness, you know, I think you know Barro, player, you know, b- born in Guinea-Bissau, came to Portugal at a young age, and had, you know joined Porto's academy in 2014. Very highly rated player, both in terms of Porto's youth teams as well as Port- Portugal's youth teams. But 21 years old hasn't really managed to take that next step in his development, um, and it just so happened that in the final final days of the transfer window. Romario Barro renewed his contract to Porto until 2026 and was loaned out to Estoril Praia, a move which made, you know, was a bit confusing given the, the differences between Estoril's and, and Porto's styles of play. But, but with Miguel Crespo leaving Estoril and joining uh, Fenerbahce, it does seem like, um, you know, Barro has a chance to, to really thrive and finally get those consistent minutes that he so very much needs. Um, Storiel also bringing in Rodrigo Valente and Antonio Javier. Um, I think that, you know, even with Crespo leaving, even with Crespo going to Istanbul, I think that, I think that uh, Storiel could have a very impressive uh, midfield under, 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 under their belt, under, um, you know, with, with the likes of, with with Francisco Gerald, uh, Romario Barro, um, so many, so really, so many promising players, and uh, I'm I'm forgetting some. I think Mesinho is another one. Uh, uh, yes, yes, yes. The the Japanese. Andre Franco, uh, you know, Mesinho, uh, Romario Barro. I do think that you know Crespo leaving after the transfer window closed in in Portugal. It is a big. It is a bit of a blow. But I do think that Barro is a very nice replacement for Storiel. Um, and I'm, I'm really excited to see how he does, hopefully getting those consistent minutes that he has lacked at Porto. Um, 
I'm curious though, what do you make of this fit for Bado? And Joanna, just talk to me, talk to me a little bit about this, about this, uh, about this Storiel team, um, Storiel <laughs> under Bruno Pinheiro, because I mean, when you look at the top four right now, Benfica, right? Only, only perfect team with, with 12 points from four games. Then you've got Porto and Sporting level with 10. Then you've got Storiel level with 10 points. Talk to me about, talk to me about this Storiel team a little bit. Uh, well, they, uh, Storiel as, uh, as the same coach uh, as, uh, as last season. And uh, they were, they were praised uh, by uh, his attractive, uh, their attractive way of playing, uh, while at uh, at Segunda Liga, uh, like you said, uh, they have a lot uh, of of talent and uh, talent and youngsters and uh, uh, and Portuguese. Uh, Portuguese talents uh, with the likes of uh, Chiquinho, uh, 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 Asturil's uh, youth product. Uh, they, they have started uh, very well this season uh, with... Uh, I, I've only watched uh, a single match uh, but uh, they they seem to 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 have maintained the the same the same style of playing uh, as they they were doing uh, last season uh, and uh, with which they they managed to to uh, to get the the promotion uh, to the Portuguese uh, top flight, uh, I think uh, people uh, who don't follow uh, Portuguese uh, championship as much might be surprised uh, by their their current uh, standing, but. Uh, they have uh, they have a quality uh, a quality squad and uh, uh, f- they uh, they have acquired some some interesting players uh, with uh, experience uh, in Premier League uh, such as uh, the the Venezuelan uh, centre back uh, Ferraresi. Uh, who is on loan by uh, Manchester City, and uh, uh, he uh, last season he played for for uh, Morirense. Uh, he's uh, a centre back that uh, I like uh, very much. Uh, they have uh, John Zinio, uh, a left back that. Uh, uh, I think uh, it's actually uh, Estoril's captain. Uh, uh, he he has already played uh, in uh, Sporting uh, in uh, in Braga, and is uh, uh, is uh, a player uh, that uh, can uh, who who can contribute uh, a lot 
uh, to balance uh, that unexperience uh, uh, from the the youngsters, uh, the talented uh, the talented youngsters they have uh, under under uh, uh, Bruno Pinheiro's belt. Absolutely. Really excited to see the story, uh, how the story team shapes up in their return to the Primera. Doing very well so far. Um, who is your talent of the week, Joao? Uh, I will go for uh, a German player, uh, Karim uh, Adeyemi, who has just so scored. Uh, I, I, I like Karim Adeyemi. Check out, check out the uh, article we just posted on the site. Uh, we're looking for uh, either a Portuguese player or a player po- playing in Portugal. If oh okay okay, okay. I like right. I like Adiemi a lot. If this was if this was a German podcast, I, I would allow you to put Adiemi on. <laughs> okay okay sorry sorry, uh, but uh, so I I will go for um, well um, why not uh, Nuno Mendes uh, as he. He secured his move to to Paris Saint Germain. Uh, he he deserves it. Without talk, he's uh, an incredible, uh, an incredibly talented player. And uh, uh, well, uh, uh, even his his uh, performance today. Uh, with uh, with the Portuguese under eleven squad, uh, I I will choose also uh, under Almeida the the Vitória Guimarães uh, midfielder. I think uh, he might be uh, a player uh, to keep an eye on uh, in this season. Uh, he has. He has much quality, and uh, I have no doubts he will uh, he will get through uh, in uh, in Vitoria. For sure, Andre Almeida, very good shot. We talked about him a lot on the show. Definitely one to watch in this Victoria team, uh, as well as like of Thomas Lundell, Marcus Edwards. Really excited to see how this Victoria team shapes up under Pepa. Um, but yeah, without further ado, thank you so much, Joel. For coming on, it was a pleasure to have a Santa Clara fan on the show. Without a doubt, not the first, not the last time uh, that you will be on Cortalinias. Uh, it was a pleasure um, to have you on. Anything else you'd like to say before we end? Well, uh, it's, uh, it's it was it was a huge pleasure. Uh, like I said at the beginning, uh, despite uh, some some difficulties, I have. Uh, uh, while uh, expressing uh, in English that you can easily notice, but uh, I I hope you, you you were pleased by by listening. Com certeza, com certeza. Thank you, Joao. Thank you to everybody for listening, and uh, we will be back next week to discuss the return of Portuguese league football. Thank you, everybody. Ciao.